Welcome to the Radiant Life Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we pray will inspire your heart and challenge your faith. For more information on RLC, please visit myrlc.family or check us out on social media. Have a blessed day. Now here's your message. like there's supposed to be this after effect, like, ha, and slow clap in, but we didn't do that. So that's okay. Maybe next week. Man, we're excited to be in week number three of a series that we've entitled The Passion. We're looking at the final week of the life of Jesus. So the last seven days, and we kicked off this series uh, just a few weeks ago talking about uh, the triumphal entry. Okay, that was Palm Sunday, and uh, we talked about worship. Right? When, when, the, when everybody's crying out and they're singing Hosanna and the Pharisees are like, hey, could you tell them to stop? They're a little too loud. They're, they're getting a little crazy. And uh, Jesus is like, listen, if they won't, I have the rocks do it. And so we, we left with some rocks in our hands, uh, just encouraging us to never let a rock cry out in our place. And then last week, uh, we were talking about the life of Jesus when it comes to his final week with Monday and how he was cursing a fig tree. And man, Pastor Anthony, didn't he preach a phenomenal message last week? So good fire. It was phenomenal. And then uh, today, which is Tuesday, Jesus finds himself teaching on the hillside at the Mount of Olives. And then on Wednesday, uh, there's not a ton in scripture of what Jesus did. He mostly rested. He was preparing for what was to come. And then on Thursday, uh, in the final week of the life of Jesus, he, that was the, the Passover, right? That's when they celebrated. So next week, uh, we're going to be taking in communion. So make sure you come ready to go for that. And then Friday, which uh, we will celebrate as our engaged service, uh, we're going to be talking about the crucifixion of Jesus. Then Saturday, and you're like, okay, so you're going to do a whole sermon about the life of Jesus on Saturday. He was in a grave. And so what are you going to talk about? What, what possibly could you talk about? We're going to be talking about what happens in between the pain and the promise, the pain of Friday and the promise of Sunday, there is waiting. And so often in our lives, God is calling us to wait, but what do we do in the waiting? And so Pastor Angel would be preaching that message. I would, I, I'll tell you this, you, if, that, if there is a service you think that's the service that I may think about missing, that's the service you don't want to miss, all right? So make sure you're here for that. And then we will wrap it up. Yeah, no pressure. I got you, boo. Like, put you up there, right? Uh, but then we will wrap that up on Resurrection Sunday. Come on, on Easter Sunday. And I would just encourage you now, who are you inviting? Right? Who are you inviting? Is there a family member, a coworker, a neighbor, a complete stranger? You would say, hey, I would love to have you join. Join with me. I'll save you a seat at Radiant Life Church. Uh, hopefully the ground will be dry. I know it's snowing today, but we got a few more weeks. The ground will be dry and we can park on the grass and fill this place up because we're going to pack out two services. And so make sure you invite someone to join you for that. But today we're going to land on Tuesday. 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 Um, Oddly enough was the day, again, we talked about how much Jesus was teaching. There are over 200 verses, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, about what Jesus said or did on Tuesday as he was teaching. This is also the day that Judas uh, was plotting to uh, betray Jesus. And so he stands before the Sanhedrin, the, the ancient court of biblical times. And so uh, Judas is now like, hey, it's Thursday and we got to make this happen. And he's getting ready to sell um, and bring Jesus uh, before the Sanhedrin. And then also Jesus, while he's teaching, he's calling out the Pharisees. Uh, he, he's talking a little trash. He calls them whitewashed tombs. I don't know if you've ever started a fight by walking up to someone and be like, you whitewashed tomb. And you're like, 
That's probably not going to win you any arguments because you're like, I don't even know what that means. It means exactly what it says. Uh, you're like, it's white, washed, and it's a tomb. So uh, in biblical times, they would actually paint the outside of the tomb white. So that way it looked great. So on the outside, everything looked really good, but on the inside was a dead body. And so Jesus is talking a little trash. And this is, this is fairly offensive to them because understanding in biblical culture, right, if, if one of those Pharisees or those Sadducees would have touched a dead body, they would be ceremonially unclean for seven days. So what Jesus is saying is, y'all's dirty. You're dirty. On the outside, it looks like you have your act together, but on the inside, you're dirty, on the inside, you are not clean. He's telling him, listen, Jesus is like, listen, you're so dirty, you have to creep up on bathwater, right? That's what he's telling him. He's like, listen, you're so dirty, when you went swimming, you made the Dead Sea, all right? You're so dirty that the cockroaches sent you the eviction notice. Like, that's how dirty you are. Some of you, those jokes didn't land. And no, the guy who preached last week cannot come back. This, this, is all your, this is the best for today. Actually, the guy who was up here last week, he's busy planning out the next shelf he's going to buy for his wife on Valentine's Day, all right? He's got you, boo. He's got you. Just, just playing, just playing. Uh, but, but here's the deal is, is Jesus is having these conversations. And so Jesus continues his teaching on the Mount of Olives. Um, he's talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. He's talking about the end of the age. And then he, he shares of his second coming. And so there's so much to choose from, right? What, what, out of those 200 verses, what are we going to choose? How many married couples do we have in the room uh, that enjoy the conversation that sounds like this? And it's going to happen today, right after service. Where do you want to go to eat? Right? What do you want to eat for lunch today? Hey, what do you want to make for dinner tonight? How many of you enjoy that conversation? And you're like, y'all messing. No, no. So uh, Pastor Angel really loves it. Um, when I ask her, where do you want to eat? Followed up by a three-second pause to allow her to just think through what it is that, that's on her mind. What's, what does she want to eat that she hasn't eaten in a long time? And I give her about three seconds to figure it out. And then I do this. Hey, we got Burger King. We got McDonald's. We got Arby's. We got Subway. We got Taco Bell. We got Chipotle. If you want to sit down, we got Bob Evans, right? And I, we got Great Oaks. Like, I just keep going through it. And then I take a breath and I'm like, so which one of those sound good? Like, she doesn't have Google or live in the city of Wadsworth to know what, what the restaurants are. And she'll, she'll look at me with just a beautiful smile, and she's like, honey, uh, what, when you do that, it's overwhelming. And it's harder to figure out where I want to eat. And so this past summer, we had the privilege of going to Savannah, Georgia, on a spiritual retreat. And while we were there, we're in the middle of downtown Savannah, staying like above a business in an apartment. It was beautiful. And uh, she, I was like, well, where do you want to eat? Well, we've never been here. Google. So we Google. Savannah restaurants, we're within walking distance of well over a hundred restaurants. So I was like, which one of these hundred? And I start naming them, I'm like, blah, 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 right? For anywhere from sushi to, man, barbecue, like in everything in between. And she's like, again, you're doing it. I'm not really sure. So I doubled down as any great husband would. And so I started clicking on the menus and reading <laughs> everything on the menus at every restaurant. Like, hey, any of those sound good? That's kind of what today was like when it comes to picking, what are we gonna talk about, right? Which menu are we going to order from? What are we going to order? Because there's over 200 verses. And today we're gonna look at one singular topic and that's the authority of Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Matthew chapter 21, because last week, Pastor Anthony talked about how Jesus is cursing a fig tree, and then he goes, he, he leaves, and then he goes straight back to the temple, 
And now we find him at the, temp- at the temple and the elite, the religious elite are not very happy with Jesus. And so as always, they're, they're usually arguing, they're contemplating, they're trying to get him in trouble, they're trying to bait him. And so now they have this question for Jesus and they're not very happy about it. So in Matthew 21, verses 23 through 27, as Jesus entered the temple courts and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things? They asked. And who gave you this authority? And Jesus replied, I will also ask you one question. If you answer me, I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. I love that Jesus is more quick to ask a question than he is to always give the answer. Like you just see that from the heart of Jesus. And he's like, okay, great. I'm going to answer that only if, and then I'm going to ask you this question. And he says, John's baptism, where did it come from? Where did it come from? Was it from heaven or of human origin? They discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will ask then, why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the people for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. And then he answered, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. You see, Jesus didn't need to explain by what authority because he is the authority. He didn't have to answer, like, by what authority? By whose authority? I am the I am. I am the authority. There is no higher authority. There is no greater name than Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Everything, there is nothing above, we all fall below. And so whose authority? I don't need to tell you whose authority. I don't need to answer whose authority because I am the authority. Now, this isn't just some question that they would have struggled with thousands of years ago. This is still a question that many of us still struggle with today. So when I ask it, maybe you relate. Who is the authority in your life? Who's the authority in my life? What has the authority in my life? And and here's why I don't want you to miss this. Jesus wants to be honored while sitting on the throne room of heaven as much as he wants to sit in a place of honor in your heart. Right? There's, a, there's a place of honor as he sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding in this moment on our behalf. But just as much honor as in heaven, he wants to have the honor of sitting on the throne of your heart, being Lord of your life. And having that authority, there is no one higher, there is no one greater. It is he, Jesus. And so now the religious leaders are gathered, and it's all day. Right? This is an ongoing conversation, over 200 passages, remember? And so they're having these conversations, and, they're, and Jesus is teaching, and they keep coming after Jesus, and they're, they're giving him bait, and like, ah, I'm going to reel this in, and we're going to try to trick you, and we're going to put you in this trap, and man, we're here because we're, we're, we really don't believe in who you are, Jesus, and we have doubts, and, and we're fakers, and we're posers, and so we want, to, we want to trap you. And I don't know about you, but after a while, that would get annoying. But here Jesus is listening, responding when needing and being a man of patience. I don't know about you, but I, I would probably not be the Tuesday Jesus, I would be the Monday Jesus, right? Because after a while, I would go, you know what? Yesterday I was flipping tables and, and cursing this fig tree. Today I'm gonna flip you, Pharisee, like come here. Like we're gonna do some wrestling and we're gonna take this out. But Jesus doesn't do that. Do you know why he doesn't have to respond in anger? Do you know why he doesn't have to respond with, with an attack? It goes back to the same reason. He doesn't need to because he is the authority. He doesn't have to respond in anger because he is the authority. And then Jesus starts speaking in parables. 
So you move on in, cha- in chapters 21 and 22 and 23. Jesus is speaking parables. These are stories. Right? He, was off the, he was the greatest storyteller ever where he would communicate in stories so that they would understand of what he was speaking. And all through these parables we see he's saying, I love you. Right? You see the pattern, I love you. I've, I've come for you. He's, he shares of a wedding feast and how everyone's invited. Right? There's an invitation that's given like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm having this feast and I would love for you to join me. Jesus is, is sharing, listen, I've come and I've, I've sent my prophets and I've sent messengers and now I am here to free you. The problem is, is you won't accept me. I'm knocking, I'm knocking, I'm here. And you're, you won't accept me. I love it Radiant Life Church, right? You, you have a parking lot, right? There's people in the parking lot and they're out there waving to you, come on in, right? They got their signs and, and then you get to the front door and there's someone at the door and they're opening the door and they're like, come on in. And, and why do we do that? Because we want you to know that this is a place for you. This is a place to belong. You are welcome. You show up as a guest, but you leave as family. So as we look in Matthew 21, 22, and 23, he's letting all of us know you're invited. Look at your neighbor and say, you're invited. All right, look at your other neighbor and say, you're invited. What he's saying is he, he's saying, come in. Come in, there is room for you. There is a table for you. There is a place. Actually, you can come sit at my table. You don't have to sit at the kitty table in the other room. You can come sit at my table. You can come sit right next to me because you are invited. And because you're invited, you can find freedom. Because you're invited, you can find healing. Because you're invited, you can find the peace that you so long and you're chasing after. You can find a wholeness from your brokenness. You can find darkness or light in the midst of your darkest moment. You can find forgiveness for yourself and for others because the invitation has been given. Jesus is standing outside the parking lot of your hearts, waving at you. Come on in, come on in. Hey, take the best seat, take the best, the best parking spot because you are invited. If only we could grasp that he is the solution to our problems. If only we could grasp that he is the solution to our problems. You see, the Pharisees didn't get it. They, they were too stubborn to get beyond themselves because they thought they had all the answers. And, and how could it be that somebody else could be the answer? And so they missed it. They missed who was right in front of them. And church, I don't want you to miss who's right in front of you, the person of Jesus. It's not just a moment. This isn't just like, oh, for the next you know, 20 more minutes, we're just gonna talk about Jesus. No, he's here and he wants to meet with you. And so don't miss who's right in front of you. Let's jump back a few verses in Matthew chapter two, verse 18. It says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. What he's saying is I'm the CEO of the universe, right? There's there's no one higher. I got this. I've created this. All this was created for me, by me. And now you have an opportunity to experience it as well. And so where do we see this authority in Jesus? We see uh, this authority in multiple areas. He cast out evil spirits with one who had authority. He's in Matthew chapter 10, verse one, he's sending his disciples out. And like, listen, guys, I want you to go out. In my name, you will cast out demons. You will pray for the sick and they will be healed. And so he cast out evil spirits with one who had authority. He healed with one who had authority. In Matthew chapter eight, verses five through 12, there's a a biblical account of the centurion. And he's having a conversation with Jesus. And he's like, listen, Jesus, I'm not even worthy uh, for you to be under my roof. But then he makes this transition where he says, hey, hey Jesus, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not worthy. He's like, but, but I, have com- I have people underneath me that I'm a commander of. And so when I tell them to go left, they go left. When I tell them to go right, they go right. 
So I'm not worthy because they, I know what authority is and people listen to me. And Jesus, I know you are the king's supreme authority. So if you could just say the word, servant would be healed. If you could just say the word and Jesus tells him, listen, I've never seen such faith so great in anyone in the land. And I love what Jesus tells him. He's like, as you said it, as you said it, let it be done, right? As you said it, as you said, just say the word, right? Jesus, you are the authority and there's no greater authority. So if you would just say the word and Jesus says the word and healing happens, he forgives with one who has authority. In Matthew chapter nine, verses one through eight, there's a paralyzed man. And again, the religious people are out there and they're questioning Jesus. Jesus, how is it possible for you to say someone's sins are forgiven? What authority, what right do you have to tell this man that his sins are forgiven? And Jesus gives a little pushback. Which is easier, to forgive or to say, get up and walk? Right, which one? To heal someone who is unable to walk or to say, your sins are forgiven? And then he says, the son of a man has all authority on earth. And then he tells the paralytic, get up, pick up your mat and go home. Right, and the paralytic walks away free from forgiveness of sin and healed and whole because of the authority of Jesus. And then we see in Matthew chapter seven, verses 28 and 29, that he teaches with one who has authority. As he's speaking and he's talking, and he's throwing it down and he's like, man, there's, you can be a wise builder, you could be a foolish builder. And then when he's done, the crowd is amazed and in awe at the authority in which he taught. So now that we understand a little bit more about the authority that Jesus has, let me go back to the previous statement that he is the solution to our problems. Let me reword it a little bit. Do you see the problem or look to the one who can solve it? All right, let that sink in a little bit. Let that marinate in your spirit. Do, do you see the problem or look to the one who can solve it? And I get it, it's easy to say, it's harder to apply. Right, like, oh yeah, no, oh, I don't see the problem, I just see solutions. I don't, I don't see the giant in front of me, I only see the Jesus who's walking with me. I'm more like David, Pastor Lance. Like I'm just, I'll just show up and I know who's with me. And so this isn't a big deal. Bear, lion, got them, giant, no big deal. Or maybe is there the moments where we're like, oh, I have to remember who I am and whose I am. The disciples who walked with Jesus, right? They were present when he's, when he's doing the miraculous, when he's walking in the authority as in heaven and earth when he's casting out the demons, when he's healing the sick, when he, the blind could see, the deaf could hear, the lame could walk, the dead were raised back to life. And yet they still struggled with understanding. So how do we look past the problem and see the one who can solve the problem? This morning, I wanna give you three quick challenges as we wrap up this message. And you're like, hmm, it's getting close already. You really gonna, these will be fast. So you're gonna take notes. It's gonna fly on the screen too. So break out your camera to take some pictures. Here we go. How, what are the three challenges that we can look at with the authority of Jesus? And challenge number one is we have to challenge our limitations. You have to challenge your limitations because when you challenge your limitations, you discover your capabilities. When you challenge your limitations, you discover your capabilities. In 1 Corinthians 12, 10, it says, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and in difficulties. You can tell I didn't write this. Like, Paul, what do you think? Like, bro, really? This is what you want to come with? Like, but this is why. This is how he finishes. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Right? When I'm not sure, when I'm limited, I can lean into the authority and the capabilities that God wants to use me for and with. I know it 
doesn't look like much, um, but I used to be a runner back in my previous life. Um, and so I played all sports and I played football all the way through. And then it was my freshman year. And unfortunately, I think my freshman year, I was like 4'2 and wore a size 12 shoe. All right, I looked like a clown. And um, so I was like, I'll stop, I'll stop playing football because these dudes are too big. And um, kept playing basketball and baseball. But uh, my next door neighbor was like, hey, do you want to run cross country? And I was like, Nah, I'm not so sure. And he's like, you can get a varsity letter. I was like, sold. And uh, so as a freshman, I, I show up in the first practice, bro, I was ready to quit. They're like, we're going to start off really easy. We're just going to do three miles. I was like, three miles? I can't make it three feet. And uh, so, so we, we start training and then it gets to our first meet. And I'm like, I'm a freshman, freshman running varsity cross country. And in my first meet ever of 3.1 miles, I finished dead last. Mm, overachiever. I got this, right? Uh, now understand, I, I hadn't grown. Um, I literally was under five foot tall and I was definitely more round than I was tall. And, and so I was like, this is good exercise for me. And in my first mile, the first time I ran, I was probably about 12 minutes. Just put 12 minutes equals horrible, okay, when you're in high school. And I was like, this is bad. This is never going to be good. And so my coach at the time, um, he, he was, uh, he ran in the Kinney National Championships um, in the United States, because he was that fast of a runner, ran in college, amazing, like, dude was great. And he's like, I think you can do better. I'm like, I think you're wrong. Um, and he's like, no, I think you can do better than a 12 minute mile. And he, and he just encouraged me and he helped me. And next thing you know, I'm running an 11 minute mile. He's like, I think you can do better. And I was like, I'm not sure I like your attitude. Um, and then he's, so I get 10 minutes and, and then nine minutes and then eight minutes. And then no joke, it was my senior year. Uh, we're running at a meet at, in Kirtland. There's about 120 people on the starting line. And all of a sudden the gun goes off and I'm like, and I'm gone. I'm flying. I am winning the race out of 120 people. Right At this time, I was no longer four foot two. Uh, I was probably about five eight, and I was just cruising. Nobody's in front of me except for green grass and opportunity, and I'm flying, and at the mile marker, there would be somebody there with a clock, and they're like, mm, 4.49. Dude, your boy just ran a sub five minute mile. I was cruising. I'd love to say that I won the race. However, that was a lie because I started way too fast. Um, and about a mile and a half into it, I was like, <laughs> and people just started flying by me and I was like, I hate all of you. And uh, I still finished the race. I think I was in 13th place and it was great. But I remember I ran a sub five minute mile. I started at 12 and yet then I was able to get to five. It's crazy to me how you can convince yourself the things you cannot do. It's crazy to me that we believe more lies about ourselves than we believe about who God is in us. And it's like, uh, it's like the enemy speaks and it's like, that's gold and I need to listen instead of the voice of the spirit. Because Jesus either has all the authority or he has none. There is no in between. He, he's either all or he's nothing. He's either Lord of all or Lord of none. And I think it's time for us to begin to challenge ourselves about what we tell ourselves, about what we say about ourselves. Right? I'm just not a happy person, Pastor Lance. I, when did the gospel determine your predisposition to be happy or peaceful? Like, oh, you're just, you, you were destined and you were destined, destined to be a jerk. That's what, no, the scripture doesn't say that. And so we, we, gotta, we gotta make sure that we are challenging our limitations. Because here's what I know is that, that we can forgive, that we can have joy, that we can be free, that we can step out in faith. I love that David, when he went to face Goliath, right? And he shows up with stones, five smooth stones. He's like, I'm, we're gonna take down this, this. Here's the crazy thing about the stones is, uh, did he think he would miss with the first and he needed backup. Yet he shows up and he's got a giant. The giant's been, been taking everybody down, this giant Philistine. And yet he shows up with stones and, and a slingshot. And he's like, listen, 
I, I get who you are, Goliath. You come at me and you're all big and bad and you got this, this spear, but I'm coming at you in what? The name of the Lord, right? I know who's fighting on my side. And so I can, I can challenge my own limitations because I know who's fighting with me. And I wonder if it's time for us to challenge those limitations because we know the authority of the one who is in us. The second challenge that we can make is we need to challenge our conditioning. It's mental, our spiritual conditioning. You can have a good heart and bad habits and therefore miss the life that God has called you to live. Right? You can have a good heart and bad habits and miss the life that God has called you to live. There is a big difference between training and trying. Right? When I started running cross country, I was trying. I was not training. But once I started training, I was like, oh, this is a little bit different. A number of years ago, I was, there was, uh, I was watching this fitness video uh, at home, and the, the guy leading the video said, hey, if some of these things are too hard, just fast forward to the next segment. I was like, oh, I got this, <laughs> right? Sat down on the couch, fast forward through the whole thing, and I was like, done, finished, nailed it, workout over. But that's, that's not training. That's not even trying. And there's a big difference between training and trying. But hear me on this. Where you start doesn't have to be where you stay. Right, where you start doesn't have to be where you stay. Let me give you some things that you can, you can train, like being in the word daily, training your mind, training your heart to being in the word daily. And maybe, maybe you start with a verse a day. I love that. Jump into the verse a day. Read a verse, unpack a verse, dive into that. I love that. But maybe after that verse, then you, you jump into, maybe I'm gonna read in a segment, right? I'm gonna read about the paralytic man. I'm gonna read all those seven verses and I'm gonna try to figure out, Jesus, what are you really trying to tell me? How can, I, how can I apply this to my life? And then maybe you go from a segment to a whole chapter, right? And now you're, you're diving through an entire chapter of the scripture and maybe from there it's two or three, whatever it would be. But where you start doesn't have to be where you stay. But you do have to start somewhere. So you start maybe a verse, maybe with prayer. You're like, hey, I'm gonna give Jesus five minutes today of just my time. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have conversation, I'm gonna talk, I'm gonna listen. I love that, give, give him five minutes. But maybe that five minutes is where you started. And then maybe, maybe after some time you go to 10 minutes and 15 minutes and 20 minutes and a half hour, an hour where you're spending daily time in the word and in prayer and in communion and fellowship with the Lord. But you gotta start somewhere. Maybe, maybe it's with worship. And you're like, man, I, want, I just don't wanna have worship on Sunday morning. It would be great. You know what, Pastor Phil, it'd be great if you could just travel along with us in the car and sing to us, right? So hey, get out your phones. I'm gonna, I'm gonna send uh, Pastor Phil's contact to all of you this morning. And I'm just kidding, so, but that, that's not gonna happen, right? But what you can do on Monday morning is go, man, I wanna gauge in the presence of Jesus. His presence isn't just with me on Sunday, it's with me on Monday. And so I'm gonna use my dry time to work to just lift up the name of Jesus, right? How would you see your coworkers if you went in thinking that they are the mission field, people to be loved and not people to yell at? Right, and so how do you do that? Man, I engage with worship and with prayer and with Bible reading, and so now it's, it's a little bit different. And then maybe on your way home, you're like, man, instead of listening to talk radio, I'll tell you this, I, all I would listen to is like talk radio. And I, I, would, I always find myself being discouraged. And I'm like, why am I so discouraged? I was like, well, they talk about the Cleveland Browns all day long, so that's probably why I find myself discouraged. But what I realized is I was like, in the drive time, if I will utilize that for worship and utilize it for podcasts, man, how does that change my mindset? How do I grow as an individual and get closer to Jesus? But, but you have to start somewhere. Maybe you start serving. Or you wanna challenge yourself in our conditioning, then maybe you start serving. You start somewhere. And number three challenge is this. Challenge your ownership. You see, taking ownership makes it personal. 
Right? Taking ownership of your faith makes it personal. We ask people to come into a personal relationship with Jesus. It's, it, it, it may be done corporately, but it's personal. It doesn't say Radiant Life Church name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's our individual names because it's a personal relationship. But that means we have to own it. We gotta take ownership of it. How do you take ownership of your faith? Because sometimes we get so preoccupied with life and sports and work and, and all the things that we have to do, we miss our purpose. We miss why we're here, to bring glory to the Lord, to, to lift up his name. And so how do you own it? Life is more about what we can give and not what we can get. So you think about it this morning, how do we own it? There's some things we can own. Even, even when you walk into the doors of the church, you see a piece of paper on the floor. What's your first thought? Somebody should pick up that piece of paper. Anybody, any takers, right? It's a little weird when you walk through, like you see like the, 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 the nose tissue the, and you're like the Kleenex and you're like, someone should pick that up with gloves. No, you're like, yeah, and you're like, should I pick that up? But you see a piece of paper on the ground. Well, who should do something about it? Well, whose church is this? You see, it's not my church. It's not Pastor Angel's church. It's the Lord's church. And this church, this building is a tool. We, you, and I are the church, which means Radiant Life Church is your church under the authority of Jesus. And so when you see that piece of paper, you pick it up and you find a trash receptacle, you throw it in it because it's yours, because you're taking ownership, responsibility. And so you own it. So you have to challenge your ownership. There could be somebody sitting right next to you who's struggling with their faith. Now, I didn't say look around or elbow the person. I said there could be somebody sitting next to you who's struggling in their faith. And you have a question that you can ask yourself. What am I gonna do about it? Do I kick them when they're down? Or do I help them back up to their feet? Right, but ownership says, oh, lack of ownership would say, hey, the church has midweeks. I think you should go, right? And I think you should, they're gonna be great. This time around, I would encourage you to sign up. We got marriage. We got a Bible overview from like 30,000 feet. So we're gonna be able to unpack. Like, what does the word say? What, the, what is the books of the Bible all about, right? What, explain to me. Like, if you, if you look at, the, at, at Leviticus and, and Deuteronomy, you're like, in numbers, you're like, I don't get this. Like, why is Leviticus so important? Here's why it's so important. Let me explain this. Once you read the Levitical law, you will have a greater appreciation for the work of Jesus on the cross because you will read all the laws that you could not obey because your obedience would be nothing but drastic disobedience, just like the children of Israel. But then you read them and you're like, I can't do this, but Jesus could. So Jesus didn't do away with, but he fulfilled. And because he fulfilled it, I can now walk in obedience to him that, that when the father looks down, he doesn't see my righteousness as filthy rags, but he sees the righteousness of Christ in me because of what he did on the cross for me. So you're like, oh, that's why, yes. So you get an overview. I would encourage you to be a part of that. I remember when I first became a believer and I was like, I, the pastor would be like, turn to the book of Matthew. And I was like, where is that? They're like, it's in the New Testament. I was like, I don't know where that's at. Well, it's the first book of the New Testament. I get it. And so I'd go to the front of the Bible and I'd be like, okay. And I'd start at the top and then I'd find New Testament. I'm like, yes, in the New Testament, Matthew, page 704, yes. And I'd flip. Bro was on like his second point of the sermon before I'd ever find the verse he was talking about. So this overview will help. And all that's great. And I'm encouraging you to sign up to make sure you're a part of those. But if ownership says, hey, we have some classes, however, you wanna get coffee? You just wanna sit down and connect? Man, I'd love to listen. What are you walking through? I'm, 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 I'm not gonna be the answer, 
but I can point you to the one who is. But whatever you need, I'm here for you. Ownership takes it, responsibility. Maybe you're here this morning, you don't feel connected. There could be someone who doesn't feel connected and you, you take ownership and you look down your row and you're like, man, I haven't met that person yet. And so you walk up to them and you greet them and you talk to them and you say, man, it was my pleasure to meet you this morning. Or maybe you're the person who doesn't feel connected. And I get that. Like I'm, some people think it's crazy that I'm an introvert. They're like, there is no way you are an introvert. I am. I'm comfortable walking into a room, finding a seat away from everybody else and just sitting down and be like, this is good. I feel really good in my space. And that's okay. Just be you. But I would also encourage you, if you don't feel connected, take ownership. Who could you talk to today? You don't have to find 10 people, just find one person. Introduce yourself. Hey man, I'm new here. And they may say, I'm new here too. Or I've been here for 90 years. Oh, you, this is your first Sunday? I'd love to talk with you. So take ownership of it. Like I love our host. Our hosts do an amazing job here at Radiant Light Church. Our first impressions team are phenomenal. I, I love how they greet and they talk and they mingle. It's phenomenal. But can I encourage you with something? Don't let a volunteer do something that God created you to do. Right? God created you to be able to be a connector, to love people, to show kindness and mercy and justice. He created you for that. And so it's our opportunity to be an expression of who he is. So as we close today, we challenge our limitations, our conditioning, and our ownership. We challenge them because we wanna see them in light of his authority. Who is he? Is greater the one who is in us than he that is of the world? Is he greater? Does he have the authority? Is he supreme? In Colossians, I love Colossians, one of my favorite books, the New Testament talks about the supremacy of Christ. Is he supreme? Is he the Lord? Does he have all authority in heaven and on earth? So let me go back to the question that I asked just a few moments ago. Who is the authority of your life? So for just a moment, I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes. Those watching online in just a moment, there's gonna be a host that would love to pray with you. If you're here this morning and you say, man, I, this Jesus guy, I, I, you're talking about his authority and how it's personal and he wants a relationship, but I don't have that. We wanna, we wanna have an opportunity for you to experience him in a personal way, to make him Lord of your life, to say, Jesus, I, I look at your authority and who you are and I, I'm willing to submit to you. And so all I wanna do is have a moment of prayer with you. If you're here this morning and you're like, that's me, I wanna give my life to Jesus. Pastor, would you, would you just pray with me? I wanna submit to that authority. With no one looking around, would you just raise your hand toward heaven? Thank you. So Father, this morning, we're grateful. We're grateful for your authority, for who you are, for what you did on the cross of Calvary, taking up my sin, my mess, and my pain. And so Father, this morning we submit to you. We give our lives to you. We want you to be Lord of every aspect of our life. So as we surrender to you in this moment, God, I pray, Lord, that this would be the launching point, the catalyst, the springboard of a life-growing relationship with you. May we never turn back, but may we stay focused on who you are and what it is you want to do in us and through us. 
Lord, help us to remember the authority that we have in you. Because all authority was granted to you under heaven and earth. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, for just a moment as we close, who else can do what he did? Right? Who, who else could give their life as a ransom for each and every one of us? Who, who is worthy to be able to do what they said they would do? No one else but the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and his name is Jesus. So for just a moment, I just want you to keep your eyes closed, and I just want you to connect with the lyrics that are being sung. Is, is anyone worthy? Is he worthy? Does he have the authority? And so would you just listen for a moment? Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah who conquered the grave is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave from every people and tribe, every nation and tongue. He has made us a kingdom and priest to God to reign with the Son. Is He worthy? Is He worthy? Of all blessing and honor and glory, is he worthy of this? For just a moment, as we close, if he has all authority, if he's worthy, then would you just take the next few moments to let him know he's worthy? that he's worthy of all. He's worthy of all praise. He's worthy of all honor. He's worthy of all glory. He is worthy. So as we close today, would you, would you feel comfortable as you're seated, just lifting your hands and lifting your voice and letting him know, Lord, you are worthy. All authority. And God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your magnificent work on the cross. And God, our response to your authority is you alone are worthy. Worthy.